This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tops Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 186. I hope you're travelling well in your corner of the world and I wish you and your loved ones safety, health, happiness. Uh, and I know I've been on an emotional roller coaster myself. We all have. It's impossible to not be affected by this, whether it's pushing your health buttons, your political buttons, your family buttons. There are buttons being pushed in every corner of our lives. And of course, things are always going to happen to us and it's the reaction that we get to choose. And that is something I keep coming back to over this time. Uh, And I've been very focused. Some of you guys who are email subscribers will know that I've talked about what our inner voices are saying to ourselves uh, with uh, a lot of us having additional responsibilities right now, additional concerns things to have to ruminate over in our heads, Uh, you know, this is not uh, the ideal time to take up a new language and um, become a uh, a karate black belt or whatever it is that uh, so many people feel they have to add to the pile because we get to be at home right now. Uh, Of course, those in essential services are not. Um, and uh, are very much ruled out of that. But just because you're at home, I saw this fantastic meme the other day uh, that said, you are not working from home. You are at home trying to continue to work during a global crisis. That's a very different thing. And I think that gives us the space and permission to really understand that this is not a carefree time for us. It's okay that it isn't and it's okay that we admit that it isn't Uh, and once we do that we can start to feel like we can make choices and that's when the empowerment and the confidence uh, and uh, regaining a sense of control somewhat in some areas of our lives uh, can bring a, a much steadier navigation of these times. That's certainly what I'm finding uh, and I've been talk, talking to a lot of you in the Lotox Club group who are finding the same uh, and people who are having different experiences and that's okay too. So one tiny little strategy you can bring into your day that I've talked about on social and in my newsletter is to just start noticing your inner voice and see what it's saying to you over and over again. Maybe it changes things up. It's sometimes nice. It's sometimes mean. Um, But if you've got a big fat meanie pants in there uh, being really, really cruel and trying to bring you down with everything you're trying to do right and telling you you're doing everything wrong and not well enough, then listen to it enough to know it's there And then start shutting it up by telling yourself lovely things. And when I say, what I say to myself is, go you. Uh, I'm an encourager. I'm not a critic by nature when I look 
at the outside world. And so unfortunately, though, I'm not immune to critique in my inside world. None of us are. Culturally, we are set up to believe we're not enough because that makes us far better consumers of all the things everyone wants us to buy to improve ourselves to be good enough, which, of course, we never become in that model, which is why we always got to buy stuff. So if you just start being kind and, and, and you let's just say you're cooking some gluten-free pasta and you cook it to perfection. Just give yourself a little go you as you get that dinner ready that night. Just say you took yourself off on a walk and it was something that you weren't really feeling pumped for, but you did it. Go you, you know, start being your own cheerleader with your inside voice. Uh, And then from there, you tend to start to find things like gratitude journaling easier because you're more in tune with the goodness of things inside yourself. And once we get that part happening, it's much easier to see gratitude, things to be grateful for all around us. And that's actually something that my guest today, Dr. Ben Lynch, uh, first time finally joining me on the podcast, very excited, uh, talks about as well. And this is one of the interviews that I thought was, you know, had a whole bunch of questions mapped out, going to get really, really technical. But we actually ended up having a conversation that twisted and turned through his incredible work in uh, genetics and epigenetics and how we can bio-individually tune into uh, the best health care for the best health outcomes for people. But we also talked parenting and kids exploring junk food and how to build a house and uh, reduce EMF exposure. We talked about a heck of a lot of things, uh, and I guess it reflects his incredible uh, body of experience and knowledge in the field of environmental medicine, his great passion, and, uh, and how we can apply not only a, a focus on what we put inside ourselves, but of course what we surround ourselves, which is one of the tenets of leading a low-tox life. It's not just what goes in, it's what's going on all around us and, of course, what's going on inside our heads. We have to look at all of it. Uh, as Ben says in today's show, you could take away all of the environmental stresses imaginable, get rid of your mold problem, get rid of the EMF problem, get, but if you're not getting rid of the stress that's going on inside your body, because you are constantly under the pump and pushed, uh, whether that is a direct reflection of the way you're viewing things. So we always try to say, I get to do this rather than I have to do this when you've got a full day, because that can at least bring you a feeling of gratitude and happiness and reduce Uh, a negative uh, stress response in that situation, whatever it is, is if you're too stressed, no matter how how much you clean up your environment, you are still going to end up with problems. So today's discussion really highlighted for me just how important the integration of what you put in yourself, surround yourself with in your environment and have going on inside your head uh, is very, very important to our overall success in our health goals. So I know uh, you are going to love this discussion. I actually asked uh, the Lotox Club members, which, by the way, if you haven't joined, it's very easy to do. Uh, it's over at uh, lotoxlife.com forward slash the hyphen low hyphen tox hyphen club forward slash. 
Uh, we have a great chat group, monthly Q&A, bonus interviews in there, uh, 50% off all of our courses for members, a practitioner thread to give you some support when you need to workshop a thing or two. It's a really great place to be, so I encourage uh, that you check that out. But in there I always uh, try to ask, you know, what do you guys want to ask? I've got, I've got this person coming up on the show, I'm interviewing this person, and I had, of course, I'm interviewing Ben and I know a lot of you guys are fans of his work, and I got so many questions and uh, and it just means we're going to have to do a part two. Simple as that. So um, today was a, a really wonderful discussion. I'll hook into that in a minute. But I just wanted to remind you that we are, sh- we are highlighting the work of a beautiful new plastic-free bar brand of uh, personal care products created uh, by a local naturopath here, Katie Henner, and her partner, Kerry Wood. And something I haven't said about these yet is to discuss the aspect of the heck of a lot of hand washing that's going on right now. And of course, if we're using hand washers, some of us tend to have really delicate uh, hands, delicate microbiome. Of course, if we don't get that pH right, we can lead down into problems around dermatitis. Uh, eczema can be aggravated. And uh, these new bar, so it's N-U-E-B-A-R, that's the name of the brand, their bars are all pH balanced and uh, create less microbiome disruption. And something we actually talked about in today's show was how Um, microbiome disruption and being too much of a clean freak that we get rid of all the good guys as well, same as the antibiotic principle in our guts, is that we can become, we can decrease our natural body's defenses against things like viruses. So it's important not to go into the crazy, crazy live in a bubble clean freak situation. Uh, And I was thrilled to read into a little bit more detail that the bars in the new bar range are around 4.5 to 5.5 pH in line with the natural microbiome um, being less disturbed. So it makes it easier for the skin to maintain health and integrity. So if you're someone who's out there frequently hand washing right now, which hello, 2020, (laughs) that's what's happening, uh, then and, and it's really negatively impacting the skin on your hands. Uh, then I would urge you to give these beautiful bars a go. They're extremely gentle. Uh, And a lot of people are reporting already that they find them to be more effective in hair washing as well and that they hadn't had success with bar soaps, uh, bar products for, um, for washing the hair. And yet with these ones, they're finding that they are having um, a positive impact. And I will say that so far those reports are coming from people with short to medium length hair. I personally haven't tried the um, shampoo. My hair's very long uh, these days. Um, So maybe I'm a little bit scared too. I should. We both should and we should report back. Um, But I know for a fact that the face wash is gorgeous. The hand products are extremely gentle Um, I'm loving what I've personally um, purchased and tried myself and I encourage you to have a look at the range online uh, and maybe try a couple of things that are running out soon for you, especially while we've got the 15% off for listeners. Uh, You can head to nuebar.com and uh, and it's all there. So I talked about the awards they're already winning as a brand less than 12 months old. That's amazing. Uh, and uh, you have 15% off for the month and uh, that's till the end of May 
and your code is LOWTOXLIFE. So I'll just give you that uh, web again. It's N-U-E-B-A-R.com. And if uh, you would prefer not to have to try and remember that, of course, we've always got the details in the show notes. So now I'm going to head over to our show with uh, Dr. Ben Lynch. Please, if you have not read his book, Dirty Jeans, yet, it is an eye-opener. I'm a huge fan of his work, of his attention to detail, of his constantly accepting that what we know now is not the end. It is always just the beginning of what we could know around the corner, uh, which I think serves very well if we're to continue to improve health outcomes for people around the world and health outcomes for our planet, of course, because everything we do affects it. And that's a theme that comes up today as well. So go out, grab yourself a copy of Dirty Jeans, listen to today's show. Uh, and I've also got the details for Dr. Ben Lynch's uh, supplement company, Seeking Health, in the show notes today. And some of the ones that I have found to be personally extremely helpful as uh, someone who had all sorts of issues come up once um, I overfilled my inflammation bucket from many, many years of mold exposure. Uh, and there were things that I could find with his range that I just wasn't finding anywhere else to really move the needle on my symptoms and support me as I got better. So all those details are in the show notes, which you can always find on the lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on today's show. Enjoy my chat with Ben. Hello, Ben Lynch. How are you? Um, at the moment, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm calm. <laughs> nice. That's good. Yeah. Did yeah. some breathing exercises before we chatted today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a crazy time. It is a crazy time and I almost feel like we get to have this conversation where we don't have to talk about the crazy right now. We can actually just help people with their health problems uh, and help navigate the, all the things that existed before the crazy times came. They're still right. there and people still need help with them and I take great comfort in being able to do the kind of work we do, which is to navigate a better everyday life for the way they feel in their own skin and their outlook on life. So let's do that today, right? Yeah, let's do. Sounds like a plan. So um, I'm always interested to hear people's personal journeys into what landed them where they are with the take that they have and the, the niche that they've gone into. Your personal journey as a doctor, choosing specifically to be a, um, an ND, um, how did you land there? Was it, were you a very conventional kid and then you had this big discovery or were you always a bit of an out of the box thinker? What did it look like for you? It's a good question. Uh, well, you know, if you look at how I was raised, I mean, my, my stepmom was a obstetrician gynecologist. So MD. Um, and, um, so my father's a lawyer, so kind of the opposite of the Cosby show. So very professional, um, very uh, driven parents, very uh, independent thinkers, and they, uh, you know, made me an independent thinker. So I appreciate that from them. Um, I grew up taking antibiotics. I grew up, you know, getting vaccinated. I, you know, and I wasn't breastfed. Um, so you know, all that was pretty conventional. Um, I started early on realizing in in my younger years. Uh, you know, I struggled with 
you know, gut issues. I struggled with, uh, you know, stressors. I struggled with getting along with my peers. I struggled with uh, crazy mood swings and, and uh, chronic persistent bloody noses. And, and uh, you know, I, I had talent. It's a crazy word. Um, what's that? It's a condition where you actually pull your hair out. And um, so I, it, it, I was in like fifth grade, I think. I don't think I've ever shared this before, um, but I was in fifth grade and I would literally like pull my hair out. And um, so in like on purpose. So I had a bald spot in, in like fifth grade and kids made fun of me for it. And this um, has a so, condition? I, I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a condition. And um, it's, it's basically highly anxious uh, gotcha. kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now that I look at my genetics and, and how, what was going on, I was like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, I started realizing that Western medicine was just failing me in multiple ways, you know, and uh, it was just symptomatic. It was pushing my pain away. It was pushing my nosebleeds away, but it wasn't looking at the underlying issues. Um, and then when I went to India and I traveled overseas for a year and I was in your lovely country, Australia for five months. And, um, you know, that backpacking overseas was one of the best things I ever did in my, my whole life um, in terms of establishing independence and confidence and, and understanding people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also directed me towards Ayurvedic medicine and, and herbal medicine and understanding that there's a whole other world out there. Um, so that was the start. And, and that was uh, here that that happened. Well, it actually happened in, in Jaipur, India. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, in, in India, no. In New Zealand, I was in a shop in New Zealand, just like this little uh, vitamin store. And I was always into vitamins and minerals, not always, but, you know, in my late college years, mm-hmm. um, I, I was starting to get into it. Um, and uh, I was in a little shop in New Zealand and I, I picked up this juice fast book and I, oh, yeah. and about vitamins. And I still have it. It's right over there. So. Oh, cool. Um, so, and I started reading that, but that's that, yeah, happened in New Zealand and then, um, uh, but yeah, getting sick in, in India is what, what started the whole thing. And I discovered Astor University later, many years later, um, was in my own backyard. And so I enrolled and here I am. Wow. Amazing. And so you, you obviously, uh, have never been one to accept the knowledge that we have at this moment being all the knowledge mm. that we need. You've always been, a, it's like, I, I often think of people who, uh, who seek to find more than the allopathic way are the four year old kids who say, but why yeah. that never kind of stop doing that. Yes. It's yes. like, you just, you forgot to end that phase like most kids do and then just start being good little kids in the system. Um, and mm-hmm. we just keep asking, but why, but why? And, and I think we need those people to ask, but why? Because so many people don't fit the model and don't just naturally work the way we're supposed to uh um and normal means nothing so if you're not normal you need the people to ask but why because otherwise you ain't going to get better yeah and and i think and i think it was easier for me to to fall into that but why type of, of mentality because i was not your usual kid i was not you know you know the the guy going to homecoming dances and i was not the football player i mean i played sports i was athletic but i you know i i wasn't I wasn't a jock and, but I was, a, I was also a, a nerd. Um, so it was, it was this weird combination. I still remember too, when I was a kid and my mom coming into my room 
when I was like three years old or four years old and I was writing with my left hand and they would come over and they would take the pen or pencil out of my hand and put it in my right hand. Really? And, then, and I would go like this. And, that happened and to my would, grandma. Yeah. And I just, they, they'd walk away and I just put it right back. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so, left-handed too. There was no way yeah. I was going to be right-handed. Yeah. And it's, you know, and so, you know, but I, I think we all inherently have that to some degree. Uh, I just think it, it, it gets pushed out of us. There's a fantastic video, uh, a Ted talk. Um, I think it's how schools lose creativity or oh, Ken Robinson. Yes. One brilliant. of my absolute favorites. I went on to read every book he'd ever written after yep. seeing that Ted talk. Love him. Yeah. So I think we all have it. It's just, you know, we, we settle and, um, you know, if you're okay for settling for the norm, that's great, mm. but uh, I'm not okay for it. No. And I think I feel really lucky to be in this generation of parents where we just have that extra little bit of confidence that it's actually okay to let your kid fully express in their passions and, and curiosities uh, that everything's going to be okay. You don't have to have the fallback. You have to have the smart extra thing that you do because, you know, I look at something like tennis, for example, something I was absolutely mad for when I was a kid. I was never going to be a pro, but I loved that sport. And I think if uh, a, a parent of this generation where we're really taught to um appreciate rather than feel like we have to make things safe for our kids Mm. do Uh the safe thing get your accounting degree like you could then teach that kid business and then get them to open up a coaching studio and you know what i mean like i I feel like we're we're going to hopefully start to realize that there is safety in pursuing passion and curiosity um there's actually a lot more safety in doing that way more safety than that yeah, in and terms of your, mm, and your mental health for the rest of your life, all that good stuff. So um, where do we go from here? Okay, at what point did you start to become interested in genetics? Um, you were definitely one of the first doctors I heard talking about epigenetics. Uh, I learned so much from you a few years ago in that realm. What, what made you think that this was going to be one of the key areas that you were going to dive into the rabbit hole of to help people? Well, it, it, uh, the seed was planted uh, when I watched Dr. Bruce Lipton uh, video and in person when he came to Bastyr University. And it was first quarter, first year at, at Bastyr. And uh, I remember just sitting in the front row, which I never do, uh, in class, just six feet away from the, the big old clunky TVs and the, mm-hmm. the VCR tape going in. <laughs> and just glued to the TV about how he talked about people's perception of the environment and how our genes were responding to that. And, uh, I just was all in, um, and it really gave me a sense of empowerment and self control, which I was so lacking, uh, as a, as a younger person. Um, you know, I felt that, that my ability to perceive the environments and, tell my genes what I want them to do was really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very counter to what my stepmom was telling me as a young kid that, you know, I have alcoholism in my family, schizophrenia in my family, uh, bipolar in my family. And, uh, you know, that, all that was negative. And I just thought that one day I was going to wake up literally as a schizophrenic and, and that was going to be the end of my life and then drink my way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just have that stuff putting in your head. Just bunch you of feel crap. destined. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I was working with patients uh, years after that, 
probably four years after. Um, I think I took two years to do my, uh, you know, science uh, requirements. You pass your, your science boards and then you can go to in the clinic. Um, and then when I was working with patients, we followed protocols and it didn't matter if it was a man, woman, you know, and, and it was, you know, the, the dosage might change a little bit, but it was the same supplements. It was the same routine. It was boring. There was no artwork. It was like, there was a recipe. You have chronic fatigue syndrome. Here's the bucket. You have fibromyalgia. Here it is. You have uh, bipolar disorder. Here's this bucket. You know, you have hypothyroid here. This is, and yeah, we were naturopathic physicians and we used more natural approaches, but we still had a, a bucket that we put everybody in. And I, I was like, this just doesn't seem, this is not what I came here for. And I, I noticed early on that some patients would do fine with that bucket and it'd be good. You know, probably, you know, 70, 80% of them would do well. And that's decent odds. You know, if you look at medical research, you know, 70, 80% outcome is phenomenal. But I didn't settle for that. I was like, why aren't the 10, 20% succeeding? What's up? Oh, they're just, you know, more difficult. They're not compliant. It's like, yeah, this patient is actually incredibly compliant. So something is up. And, um, and then I remember I turned to my environmental medicine uh, uh, lead clinical uh, supervisor. And I said, hey, doc, you know, we're using these chelators to pull metals out of these people who have, you know, obvious, you know, high levels of mercury that we see on labs. And we were doing that all that right. But I, I said, you know, some people are more reactive to DMSA and others. And some people are getting rashes. Some people are getting asthma. Some people are getting, you know, just good success. So you, know, you think there's a genetic component to it? And he's like, ah, no. It's just a side effect of the meds. Well, but how's that side effect cause? Mm. Oh, I, I don't know. It's just a side effect. And why does one person have a side effect and the other person doesn't? Yeah. So then mm. I did some more research and I said, doc, I think that we're just giving them a molybdenum deficiency, you know, because, you know, these are sulfur compounds. If we give them molybdenum, then they'll be able to move through those sulfites and excessive sulfites are associated with difficulty breathing or diff associated with itchy and rashes and, and stinky smelling stools. And these people are reporting all of this. So if we increase their molybdenum, we shouldn't be having these issues. Well, we started doing that and their side effects went away. And so then I was like, hmm, okay, well, then starts making me think, is there a genetic component to this or is it just a cofactor issue? So you know, and, and it just kind of went on that route. And I, I started on my own digging into the genetic realm. And it started with an individual who asked me about bipolar. And so I just typed in bipolar folate into the National Library of Medicine. And the uh, first thing that came up was bipolar is associated with uh, MTGFR genetic variant. And I didn't know what a variant was. I didn't know what MTGFR was. And I started reading it. And it's like, you know, when you're reading something, 50% makes sense and 50% yeah. you're just like going over that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I did. <laughs> it's like MT Jafar. So I took MT Jafar and I plugged that back into the National Library of Medicine and out spat like 5,000 research articles. I was associated with all these different conditions. I was like, oh my God, this is important. How is nobody talking about this? I was talking with um, Dave Rabin about this, uh, who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. We've just had all our fabulous conversations for the month this week. And he is the guy who's the um, psychiatrist slash neuroscientist who's doing a lot of trials in uh, um, 
microdosing of uh, psychedelics for mm. mental illness. Um, he came up with that Apollo hand uh, AI device to calm um, mental patients. Uh, and um, he was literally saying the same thing that you're saying right now, which is there's such a massive divide between what scientists are researching and know and what people are practicing, teaching oh, and treating with. Man. It's like, it's like, it's a it's like Moses came through here. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, put everybody on two completely different sides to yeah, use it, a it metaphor. Has, and it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, hmm. it's, it's shocking because we as taxpayers are paying the government our taxes and the government is funding millions of dollars to these researchers to do some good quality research. They do the research, they publish their papers, nobody reads them. I mean, if you look, if you download medical research, the average readership of some of the papers I'm reading is in like the double digits. Wow. That's it. I mean, I can read a phenomenal paper, it's viewed 20 times, viewed 30 times. I was like, oh my God. You know, and it took these people years mm. to get to this level. It's heartbreaking, um, isn't it? Because yeah, someone just, with a smoothie blog can get like half a million downloads a month. Yes, and uh, and yes. this is the stuff that's going to move the needle for the world. Yeah. And, mm. and we, you know, we want the, the short-term quick fixes because that's what we're told. You know, then that's the difference between conventional medicine and naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic medicine really is is health professionals as a guide and we encourage education and we encourage people to make their own decisions but we guide them and what decisions to make and how to make them and when to make them and then people just go on and make those decisions and it requires work and compliance conventional medicine you come in you sit down they do all the testing you hardly say a word they may or may not poke and prod you they may or may not touch you they'll scan you and then they'll write something and they say take this and that, that, that is what some people want because it, it requires no effort. Well, so, and it's something that we've been conditioned to expect as well. Yes, because of the, the commercials on TV, the, the commercials in the, in the, you know, the ads and magazines, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere. So it's, 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 inc it's, it's incredible when you visit the U.S. and you're lying on your hotel bed at the end of a conference day and you're just watching, you know, whatever you watch and the ads come on for the pharmaceuticals. And it really is phenomenal. Uh, that, that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world that I've ever traveled to. It's relentless. Mm. And I, you know, when I was in uh, Russia visiting my wife's parents uh, and we were there as a whole family, um, you know, we're in the cabin out in the middle of nowhere and I didn't see any drug ads on TV ever. I think they're starting to come though now. Yeah, they're starting to they're starting to come. Yeah, we the worst we have is uh, Panadol, um, so Tylenol basically, and uh, and it has been normalised to the point where the the marketing is now. You need this sometimes for those rough days. <laughs> it's just like, um, wow. I, I don't think my liver would agree with you. <laughs> mm. um, no. That's nowhere on the box. Mm. Yeah, right. So anyway, supplemented that. Oof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so you obviously keep going down this genetic rabbit hole, um, variants, you start discovering SNPs and they look different from one person to the next. And you start probably bringing some of this into working with your patients more and more. 
Um, at what point did you start to feel like you wanted to go all in on this and make this your thing and write the book and give the lectures? Because it's, it's, it really is what you're known for now. I think it, it was a transition. Uh, it was, it was a years in transition. Hmm. Um, but I was watching, as I mentioned in the book, in, in the introduction of the book, I believe, uh, I talk about the tale of two mice. So Bruce Lipton's work was, was heavily influential for me. Um, and then uh, I was watching for some reason, uh, I don't even know how I got there, but I was watching this Nova video called the tale of two mice about how these mice were genetically susceptible to cancer, uh, cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Um, uh, no, cancer, obesity, and diabetes. And they were genetically programmed to, to, to do that so they could test various drugs or what have you on them. They were called agouti mice. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of an awful life for a mouse. But anyway, um, so this researcher decided, you know, assistant uh, in the research project, she decided, hey, she went to the head researcher. She goes, can I give the, the moms some additional methyl donors like folate and genistine and, you know, vitamin B12 and, and other types of uh, nutrients uh, while they're pregnant to see if we can see if they, these babies don't get cardiovascular disease, cancer or diabetes. And uh, the researcher was like, sure, go ahead. And just a few nutrients, next pregnancy, nothing. Babies grew up just fine. Genetically, susceptible to all these conditions, didn't get them. And then she ended with, well, this is such new findings. We don't know what to do with this information. It's like, are you daft? You came up with this brilliant idea and then you can't close it. So, and I actually talked with her on the phone and uh, Dana, and um, she, she would not do an interview with me. And, and uh, so I was, I was kind of bummed about it, um, but so be it. Uh, so I took her information and ran with it. And, uh, so it's like, this is, this is huge. And, you know, M. Jafar is dealing with folate. And so if you support someone's genetic variations for folate and they're having struggles with infertility or miscarriage or, you know, placenta previa or preeclampsia or what have you, and you give them additional nutrients and remedy their lifestyle a little bit, um, and their diet, you know, let's see if, if we can have some success. And I, I will not ever forget the I'm still in communication with them today I'm um, seeing their their children grow up uh, a couple out of China um, uh, reached out to me they were living in Ireland at the time um, so he's uh, he's Irish he's Chinese and they reached out saying we just lost uh, a, a baby um, born with no skull and uh, born dead and uh, we found out that she has MTFR and doctor di you know diagnosed it and um, said that we need she, the only we need to do is take uh, five milligrams of folic acid then that's the solution what do you think and i was like nah that's totally wrong um this is what i would do um, this is how would i do it why i would do it and uh it's a pretty intensive program but you know if you want to go for it let's go for it i'm, I'm going to be point blank with you you know you know i haven't seen the results of this yet but i'm pretty confident we can make this work um but obviously we, we don't know you know every, every situation is unique she went on and had a, had a pretty trouble-free pregnancy, delivered a beautiful baby boy. Um, a few years later, tried again, um, didn't work. Um, 
and uh, they were using different program, uh, different prenatals and different stuff. And they reached out and said, hey, we're, we're trying, we're not having success. And I said, well, follow the same program. Mm. And what was the program? Um, well, the program was our prenatal. Uh, it, was, it was eating salads. Um, it was eating more meat. She, uh, she did not like salads. Um, she did not like much meat. Um, and she was taking a, a simple prenatal. And, and this uh, was for all the Bs and folate, B12? Yeah, it was, it was choline, it was B12, it was carnitine, um, it was the right types of folate, you know, um, and, uh, you know, she had to take quite a bit of folate, actually, um, and, uh, you know, because she wasn't eating enough leafy greens. And so sometimes if people are not wanting to get on the, the food train, and eat properly or no, I don't even want it to say eat properly. It sounds like it's or just it's eat the foods that are going to work for that. Yeah. Issue. You know, yeah. eat supportively, um, then they need to supplement, but you, sometimes it, they eat so poorly, you cannot supplement them out of it and they won't have any success. Um, but she did still, she ate well, she just didn't eat enough of what was important. Um, so we just supplemented her with that. So, which was helpful because she didn't, like eat badly. She just didn't eat enough. Um, so she had success and had a beautiful baby daughter and, and, uh, uh, the husband, the dad, uh, just emailed me just the other day and said, Hey, you know, here's some pictures of our kids and good looking, healthy kids. And, and, uh, so happy dad. Uh, and he found out he had MHFR too, you know, so there's all this focus on the mom having MHFR, but you know, the mom and the, and the dad or the future mom and the future dad, they have sex and then they pass their genes in a random way to the baby. So, you know, if the, if the father has MTHFR and the mom has MTHFR, then the baby has it. So and by you, that, you when you say has a MTHFR, you're talking about the Variant. variants. Yeah. Yes. We all have the MTHFR gene. Yeah. And, and this is just a variant of that. But, you know, I, I went all in after I started individualizing and seeing the, the effect of individualizing uh, programs for people and seeing the, the amazing outcomes. And it was almost effortless. And then when I started, you know, I started with MTHFR as the first gene. And then I, I, I just kind of went all in on that. And then I didn't have good outcomes. I still had outcomes of like 70, 80%. I still had, you know, 20, 30% not good outcomes. I'm like, what the heck? Um, then I looked at MTR and then, and then CBS and then these other genes and glutathione genes. And I just started now, I, I know hundreds of them. Um, and I, I put them in, in maps because I'm very visually oriented. I loved so I your strategy, your original strategy in maps, which I think you've yeah. updated recently. Oh man, the new ones are so much better. Yeah, I haven't gotten in there yet, but I'm looking forward oh, to it. Oh, we haven't released it yet. But the oh, new okay. Ones- I, knew, I knew it was coming. I thought I might have missed it. Mm. Yeah, the new ones are phenomenal. Um, so, uh, same concept, just done cleaner, sim- still complicated, but more simple, um, and, uh, faster to understand. Yeah. Um, and for so- anyone who isn't familiar with what we're talking about right now, you can basically get your, um, genetic raw data done through an ancestry type thing or 23andMe, those kind of, oh, maybe not 23andMe now. Um, which ones do you recommend, Ben, while we're here? I actually recommend ancestry now. You're yeah. right. Good okay. Catch. Um, yeah. because when and we first started 23andMe, yes, but now Ancestry. Yes. So you go through there, you get your raw data file. You can then upload it 
into various offerings on the internet. But what I like about what um, Ben does is it's really a roadmap for, for your, your ND to help you through uh, to optimize yourself. It's, it's incredible looking at the key genes, the ones that you feature in dirty genes, as well as a few others um, that really help people take control. Um, it's, it's done in a visual way. I'm a visual person mm. and you can kind of see where your, your switches are tripping basically, uh, yeah. and, and make everything work better. Yeah. And it's, it's way less guessing. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's way less guessing and it, it actually makes, uh, healthcare fun again. And, um, it, it, the doctors who I've trained who are utilizing strategy in their practice, they just love it. And um, they, they just said, God, it's just made our job so much easier and much more effortless. And we, we feel more confident with our patients and the patients feel more confident because they can see visually and understand where their potential problems are, where their potential strengths are, and then how to support it on mm -hmm. an ongoing basis. And uh, so it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. It's, 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 it's addictive. The problem is, you know, there's 19,000 genes in the human body. So where do you draw the line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you draw the line? How did you choose, how did you whittle it down for your book, Dirty Jeans? Great question. Um, yeah, so out of, out of the 19,000 genes in the human body, um, give or take, um, I discuss basically eight in the book. We call them the super seven because I've, as I was writing the book, I was focusing on one of the glutathione genes, I can't even remember, and I kept having difficulty writing the chapter because I was talking about two different types of glutathione genes. And so that's why the chapter is called GSTGPX um, for the two glutathione genes. It was just not fe feasible to write the chapter just focusing on one. So there's eight genes in, hum in, in the <laughs> human body in the, in the book. And I, as I was initially writing the book, I, I want to look back and look at my original seven. Um, my agent and publisher told me that I need to pick seven genes and that was it one gene per chapter and then, you know, introduce them and then talk about solutions. I was like, wow, that's hard. How do I pick seven? And as I was originally writing, I, I found out that, oh, I don't have a liver gene, uh, or I don't have a cell membrane gene, or I don't have a gene that's associated with histamine, or I don't have a gut health gene. Um, or I'm writing about dopamine, but I, I'm not talking about serotonin. Um, so, but then I, I looked at that and I said, okay, conventional medicine breaks everything down into systems. And if I broke the body down into major systems, what would that look like? Mental, gut health, detoxification, um, cell membrane health, cardiovascular, um, and... Uh, What's another one in the book? Um, and, and, uh, you know, and then ones that just kind of balance all throughout. So basically, if you support the seven genes that I discussed in the book, it's a holistic approach to your entire body. Even though I'm discussing seven genes, it's comprehensive. And is it overly simplistic? Yeah, you bet. It's, it's overly simplistic. But it doesn't matter because the outcome is it works. And I could not write this book. I was going to write a book on just MTGFR years ago. And I'm so glad I didn't because people would not have had success from it. They would have just focused on one gene and, you know, they would not have done the entire program as in Dirty Genes. Dirty Genes is a comprehensive, very holistic book 
that actually supports your entire body in a, in a way that I can't believe I pulled it off. Honestly, <laughs> um, I, I, I must've had some type of uh, support helping me from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, it was a very, very hard book to write. Yeah, I can imagine. I really can. Um, and, uh, and so if we were to pick, uh, one gene to talk about today, just to give people a, a flavor of how much you can move the needle by cleaning things up. If you've got a so-called dirty gene, um, what's, what's your favorite today? Cause I'm sure it changes. It does change. Um, I love, uh, all of them immensely. Um, and uh, some people are going to gravitate towards some genes more than others, but people really love the the mental health ones a lot. Mm. Well, uh, let's talk about you, that. Yeah, if you you know the primary issues that people face um, and the primary conditions that health professionals see in their clinics um, or online if they're doing telemedicine are anxiety and depression uh, and ADHD in kids. These are these are really big ones, and uh, of course there's many genes that are associated with these, um, but I distill it down in, in basically one to two genes in the book. And one gene is called COMT. And COMT is an abbreviation for this long fancy word that tells geneticists and biochemists what the gene does. So you first need to understand what a gene is. A gene is basically a, a blob of, of you know protein, uh, amino acids, nucleotides that have a specific job to do. So, you know, you're, you're thinking, God, you know, we're going to get all sciencey right now. Not really. Um, genes have jobs to do. It's just like the 20, you know, the 26 letters in the alphabet, they have certain jobs to do. They sound, they have a certain way they sound. And when they combine with other things, they do different sounds. So it's just like a gene. So CMT's job is to help you move dopamine throughout your body. Uh, if throughout your brain, it, it kind of helps eliminate it and it does other things too. Well, let's just focus on dopamine. And so if CMT's job is to focus out and, and remove dopamine out of your body, the first major step in doing so, then you can ask yourself, well, what does a genetic variant do to this gene? If, if, if CMT has a, a different style of structure because there's a mutation in there, and it's not really a mutation, it's just a, it's just a slight change. That slight change can speed up the gene, making it work faster, or that, that little change can slow it down. And so, and it's not bad. Either one of them is not bad. If you inherit a genetic variation for COMT, it's not bad. It's not, it's not like, oh my God, this is bad for me. Just like is if you're born with a COMT that does not have any genetic variants in there and say, oh, I'm lucky, I don't have that. It's different. It's like you have, you know, beautiful blonde hair from what looks like look of it. I have beautiful brown hair. So it's, it's, they have different functions. They look, you know, it's still beautiful stuff. So if your CMT gene is working quicker, your dopamine is leaving your brain faster. So, and you're thinking, well, that's, that actually sounds like it could suck. Well, you know, if, if you think of a situation where that could be beneficial. Dopamine increases your focus, increases your sense of alertness. Um, it allows you to be happy and smiling um, and get stuff done. Um, you know, and, and uh, on the flip side of that, if you lack, lack it, you can have depression um, and, and sadness. Um, you can have lack of focus. 
So, you know, those are, those are kind of issues there. But if you have too much dopamine, you can get irritability, angry, uh, um, you can get uh, insomnia, you could have, uh, you know, migraines. So these are, these are not beneficial. Um, so it's a balancing act. So a fast COMT type. So I, in the book, I realized I had to discuss both types of COMT. I, I had to figure out, okay, how do I talk about this gene? Because some genes you can just talk about it if it's working functionally and, and not working well. And that, that's like for a lot of the genes in the book. COMT, if it's not working well, it could actually have a benefit. So it could actually increase dopamine in the brain. For some people, that's a good thing. For others, it's a bad thing. So in your, your COMT shifts. So a person who has a slow COMT, it might be slow for that afternoon. And it wow. can speed up yeah. and become faster. And it's, it's very, very uh, environmentally affected, very strongly. And I did not get that message clear enough in the book because people will take the quiz and they'll say, oh, I'm a slow CMT majority, but I also have some fast CMT components. And maybe they'll take the quiz a month later and I was like, God, I'm really a fast CMT. When you take the quizzes in the book, you have to do it real time, like right now. And then you reference the book on how to deal with that, and then you can switch your, your CMT quickly. And that is from example. environmental stresses, you're saying? Environmental stresses, uh, uh, nutrients that you consume, supplements that you consume, meds that you consume. Um, and let me give you a, an example to make this really concrete, yeah? So I share in the book a, a story that happened here in our home, um, actually in this same home, and uh, my oldest uh, struggles with ADHD. And he, his attention is, is just really flighty. And, but still a great student, great kid, uh, very social. Uh, people who tend to have a lack of focus love having busyness around them. He, he always has friends around him. He's, he's a, a daredevil skier. Um, he just goes down, shoots, and I like look down there like, hell no. Um, you know, but sometimes he'll come down and he'll say, Dad, I'm really having difficulty struggling. I'm struggling in school. And it's not often teenager will come up to you and admit that, right? Especially a boy. Um, Go parenting boy. right there. That's, that's good work. Yeah. <laughs> so he came up to me and he goes, Dad, I, I really can't focus. What do you got? And uh, I said, well, take some tyrosine. Tyrosine is, is what the COMT gene uses in order to make your dopamine. So I looked at Tasman's genetics. He has a COMT which clears his dopamine out fast. So he's born with a fast COMT. He also wasn't consuming protein. So if the, if the CMT's job is to make dopamine, it needs the ingredients and the ability to do so. If he did not eat protein, he, he could not make dopamine. So I hope you're hearing this. If you are not consuming dope, if you're not consuming protein, your dopamine is like down. And so what you're gonna do is you're gonna gravitate towards sweets to skyrocket up your dopamine short term, but then you dive really fast. It's not sustainable. So now you're on this vicious cycle and you're possibly bipolar or what have you. And um, I've had tons of success stories just merely by balancing people's protein intake. Um, and uh, so he still wasn't consuming enough protein, gave him the tyrosine. He was probably 12 or 13 at the time. I gave him 500 milligrams and uh, he took it within an hour. He's like, wow, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. And off he went and did his homework. And then I said, okay, we'll just take this every day. 
and uh, wake up in the morning, take it before you go to school because he didn't eat much protein for breakfast. So just take one, go to school. And he goes, all right. And he got to the point where he was just doing it himself. I didn't have to remind him. He goes, dad, can I just put the bottle in my bathroom? I said, sure, go ahead. It's not a good idea to store vitamins in your, your bathroom because it's very humid mm. um, and vitamins don't like humidity. No, they um, do not. But, you know, short term, I was like, oh, what the heck? Um, go for it. Um, I just said, keep it closed and tight and in your drawer. And um, so he was taking it every day and it was fine. And then I, I just noticed he and I started screaming at each other a lot more, fighting, yelling, arguing. I mean, like full on, like man to man fights. Wow. Screaming red in the face for like two weeks. And I, I was finally, I was like, it's like, okay, this is just not. I'm this taking is, that out of your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, this is not right. And I, and I just, one day I just, you know, sometimes you get so involved with these types of stuff, you, you don't pull yourself out. Mm. So I pulled myself You're out. You're in it instead of looking at it objectively. Yeah. yeah. So I pulled off my screaming at my kid dad hat to my doctor hat. And I looked at him and I was like, Tasman, something's been off for like the last two weeks. What is up? Nothing. I was like, no, girlfriend dump you? No, I don't even have a girlfriend, stupid. Like, all right, well, that's, that's a little, you know, don't call your dad stupid. And uh, so I was remaining calm. And I said, oh, how much tyrosine are you taking? Oh, I don't know, that stuff doesn't work. Two, three, four, doesn't matter. It doesn't work. I was like, oh, all right. Well, it, it does work. And apparently you're taking too much. No, I'm not. It doesn't work. So just stop taking it, man. Just stop taking it. Give it to me. Just give me the bottle. Gave it to me. Next day, got my kid back. Wow. And uh, I told him. And I showed him. I said, look, this tyrosine goes to make dopamine. Dopamine goes to norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is like your adrenaline. And kids get adrenaline. So he understood that. I said, you are making huge amounts of this. And it turned your lack of focus into focus, which then you had too much. And you became a slow COMT. Mm. So a, his, his slow, his fast COMT, you could call that dirty because he was at ADD. So he took tyrosine to clean it up. He had focus. He dirtied his now healthy functioning COMT and he dirtied it to become a slow COMT. By and that was by taking too much of the thing. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Mm. And then what happened is he went back to one capsule a day and then his buddies were lifting weights. So he started consuming more protein on his own consistently. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, once you start consuming protein consistently or even consuming a significant amount of protein in, in the morning for breakfast or lunch, you do not take tyrosine that day. Yeah. You take tyrosine when you're not eating protein. Well, now he, takes, he eats protein constantly. So, but he still has ADD-like symptoms. So we need to figure out you know, he's still eating too much junk food, but that's on his own deal. I want him to struggle with that and learn from it. Mm. Um, Good so, on you. You yeah. can't control everything. No. And, and they're, they're learning. Uh, they're, they're learning really well um, by, by digging their own holes. And I, I make a point to teach them when they're digging in their holes, what tools to get out and why they're, how they're digging their holes. So for example, you know, they start getting acne. I give them some liver nutrients um, and their acne goes away. And then they celebrate and they go eat more fast food and they take the liver support. It doesn't work, dad. Your supplement doesn't work. I said, well, yeah, when you eat Chick-fil-A every single day, it's not going to work. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. You can't eat, you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. That's for sure no. a recurring theme. But um, yeah, until they learn that. Yeah, I definitely think, though, as um, someone who's helped many families with food and kids, is you lay the good foundations, you increase their awareness that crappy things start to happen if you choose crap, basically, Um, and so that at least if they've got that awareness in the back of their minds during those teen years where it is so important for them to be tribal and do what the crew is doing, they will come back they will always have that little voice in the back of their head. Yeah, I know this isn't so good for me. And, uh, and I think that therefore makes them have a better foundation as they hit their twenties. Very scary to do as a parent. Yes. Very scary to, to remove yourself from the control of what they're doing in certain areas. Um, and, uh, but the best parenting, uh, course I ever did was called love and logic. And mm. you, you, you love your children uh, when they fail. And you, when you let them fail, they create their own logic. And when they're failing, you just say, hey, you know, you don't have to say I love you and all that. I think it's overused. We say it sometimes around here, but not every day. Um, and um, so, but when they're struggling, it's like, God, you know, I'm sorry you got acne. That sucks. And uh, it's got to be tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not good. Well, how do you think you got that acne? Oh, I went to Chick-fil-A. All right. So do you take your liver nutrients? Yeah, but I, I've been eating it too much. Oh, good. There's a logic. Yeah. Gave them the love. They created the logic themselves because I guided them through it. I said, so what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to Chick-fil-A for probably in the next two weeks and clean this up. And uh, so, for example, we were in Hawaii on vacation and uh, for two weeks, I saw my middle boy who was about 13 at the time. Um, ordering whatever he wanted on the menu. I just removed myself completely from his ordering. Mm-hmm. And uh, soda with every meal and wheat with almost every meal and, and, you know, cheese on everything. And, you know, I don't do gluten or dairy really and, and for me and neither is my wife, um, but they just went whole hog. And at the end of that two weeks, we're sitting down um, at a restaurant, ordered dinner, and he goes, I'll have the salad and uh, just some water, please. And I- Hello. I, and I looked at him and I said, dude, what's up? He goes, he looked at me and he goes, I regret how I've eaten these last two weeks. <laughs> and, and he got like, to come to wow. that himself. That is yes. so much more powerful than yeah. you control freaking your way into his diet, right? Yeah. And so kids, kids get it. All they need you to do is to point out and give them an understanding of what it, they're doing. And you don't do it in a, why the hell did you order that Coke? Hmm. You know, because now they're just going to order that Coke to say, F you. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you know, that Coke is going to shut your immune system down for about six hours. So and we're going on a flight tomorrow. And so if you drink that Coke, your immune system will be down and you breathe in all that crap on the plane from who knows where, from all different countries uh, and sick people. And you're, you're, you can get sick and then you come home and you want to do things with your friends. You could be out for two weeks from that Coca-Cola right there. So. You know, that, that they, they hear you. They might not think, you might not think they hear you, but they hear you. Oh yeah, they do. It's going into like a little bank in there. And my little guy uh, who tends to eat gluten-free like uh, I do and have to myself. um, And we've obviously moved down to the grandparents for a bit to ride out the, the, uh, the pandemic storm. 
and um and just today uh, was it yesterday no he, yesterday he goes mum you know I'm thinking I just went a little bit too hard on the gluten when we got down here and uh and I might just I might just stop now <laughs> and he's 10 you know and that's just because you raise the awareness so how do you feel after you have that crappy great you put that together and just remember that um and I think the the sooner we empower the more they can actually make better decisions independently of us, which I think is really the goal that we forget often as parents, um, especially in this helicopter tendency generation. So, yeah. yeah I mean, our, our job as parents is to set our kids free mm. and, and to, you know, hopefully teach gratitude and hopefully provide, you know, a, a direction so they could be happy their whole lives. That's mm. to me, the ultimate thing, you know, healthy, happy, and grateful. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I can do that uh, as a parent, then job done. You know, respect is, is in there as well. But, you know, grateful brings respect, I believe. Um, so, you know, that, that uh, for me is job done. So, you know, I don't care what they do in their life just as long as long as they're happy and, and, and grateful. Yeah, nice, nice tangent there. That's so many parents listen to the show. And I think uh, especially while we're all spending a heck of a lot more time together as families, uh, that that could have been a nice little thing for people to hear and focus on right now. Um, let's talk about your home. Uh, I loved following your build or mass renovation, um, shall we say, recently, a couple of years ago now. Um, uh, yeah, we got a concrete, concrete truck in the driveway as we speak. Oh, we're <laughs> still going. <laughs> yeah, still going three years now. Um, we, what? I took, uh, I took a, a break to, to, uh, on it we're now we're finally starting to do the yard. Okay, uh, cool. Uh, so pouring some concrete steps in the back. Yeah. Um, we've had a yeah, couple of fantastic, uh, renovation, uh, low tox renovation shows over the years with wonderful architects, interior designers who specialize in, uh, in materials and builds that benefit people and planet. Um, and I'm curious to know what your big, big focuses were. I know you're passionate about reducing, uh, EMF and Wi-Fi exposures. Uh, were there any other particular things that you really wanted to, uh, reduce uh, when you started researching what you guys were going to do? Yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, my specialty is environmental medicine. Uh, I learned early on in, in clinic, as I've shared with you in the beginning of this interview, um, that uh, working with heavy metal chelation and, and, and so on in, in the clinic, and I saw tremendous results from that. I expanded into to mold and allergies and, um, you know, just food and you know and the environment is defined as basically anything that's not us uh, i was doing a presentation in, in london and i asked the audience you know how would you define environment and uh, had all these definitions coming forth and this one lady goes anything that's not us i was like that's beautiful um so used it ever since um but uh so when we think about our health we think about what to put in we think about what foods to eat. We think about what supplements to take. We think about you know, what meds to take, uh, what actions to do, but we don't think about what to avoid, stop, what to stop doing. And I, I think that is just an inherent capitalistic consumer type of mindset that we've been programmed to think about. And I own a supplement company and that is something that you consume. But I want people to realize that, hey, you know, before you supplement, which is supplement is defined to do as to add to or enhance, you need to understand that your environment 
is, is really impacting your biochemistry uh, in a huge way. So our home was built uh, in a way to minimize chemicals uh, and uh, Wi-Fi um, or basically just any type of environmental uh, interference uh, comprehensively. Um, and there's, there's visual uh, environmental uh, cues as well. So flow um, and, and space and how rooms are connected and how, how you know, things are positioned in, 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 in the home and the layout is, is very important. So feng shui um, is, is very important. So I would say that you know, feng shui for me was very important. Um, and, uh, because if, if the space is overall poorly designed, then it doesn't matter what type of materials you use. It's going to be a burden on you. Um, I feel real, I feel bad for those homes that are at the end of a street and they're right at the end of the street before someone takes a left or a right. I mean, the energy flow of traffic coming right to your front door and then that I cannot imagine the burden that they feel in that type of home. And that sounds really weird. Um, and it is kind of weird, but just start looking at the feng shui of your home and how it's affecting you. Yeah. We um, did an incredible show with a feng shui master a couple of months beautiful. ago, Grace, and she is just the things she's able to achieve for people uh, by moving a flipping couch. <laughs> it's just yeah. incredible. Like exactly. mental illnesses vanish, uh, relationship problems resolve, incredible yeah. stuff when you pay yeah. attention to the energy flow of your home and location, of course, if you can at this point in time. Yeah, location is huge. In our, our home, uh, you know, I would not have invested three years uh, in, in a lot of expense uh, uh, unless I was in a, a prime location. We're surrounded, I mean, we're in the city of Seattle basically, um, but we're also surrounded by almost a thousand acres of state park. Um, so it feels like we're in the country. Um, so, but you know, in terms of materials used, I mean, we, we use drywall um, called Certainteed here in the US. I don't know if you have it or not, but it's, it's actually a drywall. Um, do you know what drywall is down yeah, there? Yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, um, so drywall, basically gypsum, uh, they created this drywall that actually absorbs formaldehyde. Wow. And breaks it down within the, within the gypsum. And I was like, wow, so how much does that cost? Oh, it's only like 20% more. It's like, wow. Okay. Now the downfall at the time of the build, we got lucky because it was a new material. Um, we managed to get some for our home and then we, we ran out and needed to get more. And this, and the certainty uh, said, well, you need to get a semi truck full. That's how we work. You need to get a semi truck. Like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, we only need to do two more rooms. Um, so we, we didn't do it. Um, so formaldehyde is a chemical that's everywhere. It's, it's a compound that's naturally existing in many materials, including wood. Um, it's just not as plentiful uh, in natural wood as it is in press board um, or carpets. Um, very heavily used in, in, in clothing. Um, new clothing is reeking of formaldehyde. I will not put on, my wife will come up to me and say, hey, Ben, I just bought you some new t-shirts. Um, try them on. I was like, wash them first? <laughs> I'm not putting that on. Um, so Absolutely. It, yeah, formaldehyde uses up your glutathione levels. And glutathione is your master antioxidant. You talked about how acetaminophen and Tylenol is on your commercials there in Aussie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so if you have a home 
um, full of uh, press board furniture and press board cabinets and carpets, especially if they're new, you are breathing a lot of formaldehyde and, and you are depleting your glutathione and then you take a Tylenol because you have a headache, you deplete it even more, now you feel even worse, now you have joint pain. So then you take another Tylenol or an Advil on top of that, now you're really starting to struggle and mm -hmm. other symptoms start to happen of it. Um, but, you know, so material is used, uh, aluminum roofing. We actually used a siding from uh, Hobart, Tasmania. Wow. Um, yeah, it's called Knotwood, mm -hmm. uh, K-N-O-T-W-O-O-D. Uh, extremely expensive, especially since we had to ship it from Australia. Uh, but there's a, a, a plant now made in Georgia, uh, which manufactures. Um, but it's, it's aluminum siding, and uh, it actually reflects um, EMF signals. It just bounces it off. And it, I, should, I need to get a chunk in, in my room here uh, mm. to show people. It's beautiful. People cannot believe that it's not wood. Get it? Mm -hmm. Um, and it actually looks like Western red cedar. Wow. And, and I remember we lived in Chicago when I was a little girl and, um, my mom is, uh, French and she, um, she always remembered all the ads that were on TV when we lived in Chicago. And <laughs> I grew up with her saying in a thick French accent, aluminum siding, <laughs> mm. <laughs> because they were, there must've been like a really popular commercial at the time. But as a result, I've always known what it was. It's extremely effective. Yeah, and I, I had no idea. You know, I, you know, we have a lot of square footage of siding on our home, and we're, we're on a lake, and I did not want to be maintaining cedar siding with stain because I didn't want to paint. I love the Northwest, uh, Pacific Northwest look, mm. uh, as you can tell. I like yeah. wood. Um, and uh, so I did not want to be spraying you know, thousands of gallons of sealer and, and paint next to a lake. I just mm. did not feel that was helping no. the environment at all. So, you know, we think about the environment and what we do to our body, but we have to think about what we're doing to the environment, which then comes, comes back, back to, us. to us. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's a closed system. We think it's, you know, that wind blows, you know, by us, but it's actually bringing stuff from other things into, into our zone. And we breathe 11,000 liters of air every single day. And so that uh, is, is an important point. But the aluminum siding is fantastic. It's beautiful. You can get it in 30 different types of uh, wood grains, um, walnut, chestnut, oak, you know, it doesn't matter, whatever you want. Um, and uh, it was a pretty easy choice for us, Western Red Cedar, because we're in Washington State. Um, and then we have an aluminum roofing too. Um, and uh, so the contrast of, of brown, uh, you know, siding that looks like Western Red Seating with black roofing is a very classic look um, and, and beautiful. We pulled it off. Um, we also have double glazed windows. Uh, the double glazed windows, you, it helps prevent solar heat from coming in, um, but also blocks EMF. And I did not know that. So we actually, we were going to bed one night and my wife uh, does not like windows open and it was really warm and I didn't want to turn on the AC and I said, Nadia, can I open the window? She goes, you're going to let in the EMF. <laughs> and I laughed and I was like, wow, you are so right. Um, because if, if people come over to our house all the time yeah. and they try to get on their cell phone, there's no signal basically in our home. You have to go outside. The builders yeah. hated it. Um, it blunts it that much. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? 
And so you obviously therefore have everything hardwired in your home. Yeah. So my computer is hardwired. Uh, We have ethernet uh, wires in all our walls. Wiring your home for ethernet cables is cheap. Um, And it's, it's very, very effective. And we just put them all over the place. Um, And um, for the cell phone, um, we also can, you can turn your phone and connect it with ethernet cables as well. It's a problem. Um, and we also painted some of our rooms with this special black paint um, to also block EMFs. If you walk into any of the bedrooms um, and you check for magnetism, EMF, or electrical interference, uh, it's going to be extremely low. Um, so we sleep like a baby. My aura ring uh, was telling me when we first moved in here that my sleep was garbage. And my wife and I were tossing and turning. And our room is on the lakeside. And uh, the guy who came and tested our home, we pegged the meter. It was like maxed for cell uh, interference and, and radiation. And I was, I was like, what the hell? And I looked at the nearest tower. The nearest tower is about half a mile away, you know, half a mile to a mile away, pretty decently far for a city. Um, not great, but somewhat far. But it wasn't just that. There's something to do with the lake that might bounce all the tower signals off. And so we were in a hot spot. And so once we started, once we did our room, my wife and I sleep really, really well. Um, so obviously there's other factors too, but EMF is a huge factor. So you mm. have to handle it. And how, just for people who are new to that or trying to explore EMFs and often it's one partner who's totally sold on lowering exposure. And then you've got the naysayer in the house. Who's like, Oh, that's all garbage. Stop listening to your hippie doctors. What are some of the other symptoms? How does this manifest for people in the way that you've seen over the years? Headaches, inattention, irritability. It's, it's, it's brain excitation. Um, And uh, you know, we are electrical beings. And when you have electrical, you know, magnetic fields, uh, buzzing around, they are stimulating your brain. And some people are going to be more susceptible to that electrical signal and others um, are going to feel actually probably even maybe better from it. So, you know, if you have a lack of electrical fields in your head, um, maybe you're going to feel actually more alert and more focused with from EMF. So your people are like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel fine. They, you know, and then other people are like, I'm super sensitive to it. And I can be in my office here and we have a button. We have smart switches in our, in our home now um, that use radio raw uh, frequency, which isn't ideal, but it's, it's, it's good uh, overall. And it doesn't really bother me. Um, but we have a button that I can push the Wi-Fi on or off. So I don't have to go to a router. I can just go to a switches and we have them in various locations in the house. So we still have Wi-Fi, but we use it intermittently. Um, but headaches, irritability, difficulty sleeping, uh, lack of focus, which comes from difficulty of uh, sleep. Um, so those are the main ones. Um, and some people uh, report joint pain as well, but could that be from the difficulty of sleeping um, and lack of sleep? Because sleep is very healing. Um, people think that sleep is just for rest, but sleep is a very uh, healing time. Your growth hormone goes up um, for healing and repair. Um, so I think disturbed sleep is going to be the number one thing. So at least unplug your Wi-Fi and your router and put your cell phone on airplane mode at night. Um, yeah, that's something yeah, that's everyone, something can, everyone do. can do. Yeah, for sure. And, and then the, the, the remedy also for 
symptomatic uh, support is electrolytes. Uh, I find that uh, I will suck down electrolytes in, in a significant amount uh, when I'm traveling at conferences because I'm surrounded with, with Wi-Fi and you know hotels can be beautiful and I'll, I will go in there in, in our room uh, or my room if it was just me and I will throw that mattress around up move dressers and I'm going to look for that damn router I'm going to plug it <laughs> yeah so uh, hotel rooms are awful nowadays yeah. I mean there are at least like 10 things to unplug when you get to a hotel room yeah yeah you, you gotta you gotta bring a, a you know a tester and, and all that too and you know my kids thought I was crazy and, and I thought I was crazy the builders thought I was crazy um and then they they finally realized that you know I'm right and uh, I think I influenced the builders. They're, they're a very high-end firm here in Seattle, um, and they do a great job. But they, I started asking, I need manufacturer safety data sheets on every material that you bring in this house. I'm not letting you, you know, bring in any component of, of any type of product, caulking, painting, tubing, what have you, unless I see the, the, the sheet. And it, at first, they were like, ugh. But then they became <laughs> nightmare really client. Yeah. But then they probably started thinking about yes. what they were going to submit to you. And they probably yes. looked at a few different things first. I'm going to show them this one. This one looks safer. Yeah. And so I walked into the house one day. I, I, I would come on site almost every single day for the two years. And uh, it had this weird hospital smell. And I was like, what's that? And we have this, we have this um, fresh air system that uh, pumps air in and around. I don't think you see it, no, it's down on the floor. Um, but we build buildings so tight in America now that we actually have to pump fresh air in from outside and pump air out. So that's their solution. You think we could just build houses less tight, but no. Um, so we have this unit from England or, or uh, Europe called Zender. And so I think it's maybe even German. And so it pumps the air in, it filters it, and then it goes through these pipes and then it distributes it throughout the building. Mm -hmm. And then it, it kicks out the stale air out. So we have a, this, the building will cycle maybe four times an hour. We'll have mm -hmm. fresh air, which yeah. is pretty cool. But the pipes were made mm -hmm. out of phthalates uh, in high, high amounts. Yeah. And so we're filtering the air. We have HEPA filtration mm -hmm. and the pipes were made out of phthalates. What's mm. the point? What is and the point? Phthalates are fat soluble, and so they go right in your brain. Mm. And so I told him, I said, you got to rip all these pipes out. I said, well, that's is Zender piping. I said, I don't care. You rip it out. And uh, they said, well, that's it's the only one that's UL approved. The city won't let us use anything else. I said, rip it out. I said, I'm not putting it in my house. Uh, and they just resistant, resistant. I emailed the the mechanical engineer who recommended the system. I said, this is not going to work. You need to get me a solution now. And uh, I was adamant. And um, so my son, middle boy, Matthew, put his nose on the pipe and he smelled it and he had an instant headache. I mean, instant. He's like, oh, God, my head hurts. Um, it was bad. And I was like, God, why does this smell like a hospital? And uh, the this manufacturer, the the company, the heating cooling company said, oh, we install this system in hospitals all the time. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So now, so now we, we know why hospitals smell like that. Yeah. They have this daily oh, tubing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So um, another thing I want to ask you about before we go is I, I just want to dig into supplements a little bit more because uh, I find um, that seeking health and the, the supplements that you've created are so tailored to different human experiences, expressions of genes and the environment in a way that people are now obviously copying because it gets results. And yes. one of the things that I have found to be um, one of my favourite supplements was histamine X uh, coming through SIRS, having terrible, terrible mould exposure for a really long time and then, you know, the inflammation bucket overflowing, yada, yada. I definitely don't need to go into details with you. Um, but that was that has been such a calming helpful uh, supplement for a system that has wanted to default to overdrive uh, during um, that kind of warning system time in my life, that it is still every now and then trying to kick over there. And my body's like, no, it's okay now we're good. But I just find it to be so effective and um, researching the link between histamine and mold exposure and particular gene um, expressions was uh, led me to your research many years ago um, around histamines. And you were one of the first doctors talking about it. Can you talk to us about who might need some support on histamine processing, production, blocking, you know, it, like what does it look like for people? Because it's such a vast array of symptoms. It's massive. Mm. And I'm glad you're having success. It's great. Um, it's, it's uh, I would say everyone has a moment uh, many moments in their life where they're excessive histamine and they don't know it. Um, histamine ebbs and flows like tides in the ocean. It, it, it comes up, it goes up, goes down. And when it's up too high, you're like, damn, that's not good. When it's too low, it's not good. It's, it's got to be that sweet spot. And when you start identifying your ebbs and flows of histamine and you're tuned into it, it's a beautiful thing because you can really, really regulate it. And, um, you know, I'm teaching my boys uh, a lot about it. And, and my middle boy has a lot of histamine issues. And um, he knows when he pushes it. And, and then he's learning how to pull it back. And he's, he's starting to learn what supplements to take. But he's, he's pretty bad at taking supplements, um, which is fine. But he, he alters his lifestyle. But every single one of us uh, needs support for histamine. And I'll throw some symptoms out there. Um, you know, for high histamine, irritability, insomnia, nosebleeds, itchy skin, uh, huge bites from uh, bugs. Mosquitoes, yeah. Bites, uh, mozzies, as you all call them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the damn uh, black flies in, in New Zealand are horrible. Uh, who designed a flying flea? I don't know, but <laughs> those things are awful. In Australia, we call, I think that's midges. Um, oh, they have yeah. them. oh, my goodness. When you get attacked by those guys, you feel it for two weeks. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, they, they're yeah. awful. Awful. Mm. Um, so, and, and then you've got uh, acid reflux. You have loose stools. Um, you have, uh, you know, there's, there's just on and on and on. You have anything, any pregnancy complication, anyone, high histamine. Um, it, it's, it's when I was reading how histamine was associated with preeclampsia, placenta previa, um, miscarriage, infertility, um, uh, I was like, oh my God. 
Um, so, oh, car sickness, uh, you know, seasick, um, you know, motion sickness, ringing in your ears. Um, these are all, you know, chronic uh, runny nose, uh, chronic sinus congestion, obvious one. Um, so these are, you know, red itchy eyes, itchy eyes. Um, so we all have it. And if, let's say you drink a glass of red wine or a glass of wine, you know, at first you feel okay, then your ears start to feel hot, and then you start sweating a little bit. Your mood shifts from being happy and, and you know, delightful to, you know, a little bit of irritability, which you can tone down and you're, you're okay. And you move kind of from the center of the party to, you know, maybe a couple less people that you're around and maybe you kind of just like two or three now. And then you keep drinking some wine and maybe you're now eating some cheese, which is high histamine because you need some food. And you're like, oh, I need to get some food in me because maybe it's just the wine. Now you eat some strawberries and, and, and cheese because it's that type of gathering. And now you're starting to feel a headache coming on and you're now even more cranky. You go to your, your partner and you're like, we got to get out of here. You know, and they're not listening because they're having fun and you get pissed off at them and you have some more cheese and then you lay down in bed and you can't fall asleep and your feet are itching and you're, you're, you're like, what the hell's wrong with me? Right? <laughs> I just know? wanted to have fun with my friends. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like so many people are thinking, whoa, whoa. Yes. You maybe they sleep this whole interview and now they just woke up. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's up now? What's the solution? Well, the solution is stop eating cheese and drinking wine. No, no, no. I got your back. <laughs> Give um, me another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, vitamin C is phenomenal. Uh, you know, histaminics that you talked about is, is very useful. Histaminics is, is slowing the release of histamine. Um, we have a, a compound called histamine block, uh, which is a DAO enzyme. And I talk about this in the book heavily, uh, every gene has their own chapter, but DAO is a big one. Um, and this was a life changer for me. I mean, I struggled with high histamine. Remember those nosebleeds I had as a kid? Histamine. It wasn't, I didn't need to shove burning silver nitrate in my nose. Um, I just needed to reduce my histamine levels. And uh, so this histamine block is an actual enzyme that breaks down histamine. And if you drink red wine or, or drink, in, you know, or you eat cheese or you just eat and you get symptoms from histamine, which you'll learn from in the book, and you take a capsule of histamine block, you're gonna be like, where the hell was this stuff my whole life? But the problem with histamine block is it doesn't solve the underlying problem. That's that type of, of doctor that I talked about earlier, where you know you have a you know a doctor can give you an antihistamine and then the naturopath will just give you a histamine block. Well let's dig deeper. You know, why are you so reactive to that histamine? Well you could have a microbiome that is producing more histamine. You could have blastocystis hominis, which is very pervasive here in the United States. It's almost labeled as a natural flora because it's everywhere, but that stuff makes huge amounts of histamine. You could be taking a probiotic thinking you're doing yourself good, but you know, on the back of the probiotic, the label shows lactobacillus bulgaricus and lactobacillus fermentum, and you could be drinking kefir and, and kimchi, eating kimchi and you know, sucking down bone broth and eating a lot of sushi. And you're like, oh, that's healthy. Well, it's all high histamine. So you, you got you to gotta knock that stuff out and down for a little bit. So we walk you through on how to do that in the book. Um, and Ben Greenfield came out with a great book. It's like a textbook called Boundless. Um, and he talks about what we call the booze stack. Well, he calls the booze stack. And he lists out a bunch of like three or four supplements from Seeing Health that uh, 
I read his strategy and report. And I say, you know, are you sensitive to, to red wine or, or alcohol or post-workout soreness? He goes, how'd you know? I said, looking at <laughs> Says you. it right here. Yeah. 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 And so I, I gave him the, the things that I uh, talk about in his book. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm blown away. And just ordered more. I uh, mm. saw an email from his assistant come through getting mm. more of that incredible when we can actually start to raise our personal awareness of different things that affect us and start to develop some literacy around what actually supports us during times where uh, maybe you did just want to have a carefree night with friends and have a couple of wines and worry about it and that's okay Um, but as you say then thinking about your overall barometer for health and adjusting that so that the what happens sometimes doesn't then start to have a permanent negative impact. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, it is it's extremely accurate. It's, it's right on point. And, and, you know, it's the supplements can be a game changer. And I, I don't look as a, as a naturopathic physician, my goal is to, is to inform and, and to teach you and empower you to understand how your body works and how to support it. And it's not my job to say, you know, stop drinking red wine or, or stony cheese or, you know, I, I want you to live the life that you want to live. And I hopefully I can give you tools that allow you to do those things while also maintaining a sense of health. Now, if you're drinking a bottle of wine a night, yeah, probably not a good idea. You know, glass or two a week, yeah, go for it. Um, so, and I, I had an interview just the other day with a, a, a guy and um he's been struggling with histamine issues for a long time. He goes, Ben, I've been handling the mold. I've been doing the supplements. I'm eating right. Um, I'm handling the the line. And I, I, you know, he goes, but I'm still just reacting like crazy. I'm doing the saunas and I I could see just red faced. Um, Oh, that's another one. Uh, Working out and having a bright red face for a prolonged amount of time, asthma or exercise induced asthma. These are all histamine as well. Um, So I said, well, how stressed out are you? He goes, I'm extremely stressed. I said, well, you can take all the supplements you want. You can kill all the babesia that you want. You can get rid of all the mold you want. If you're chronic under, under chronic stress, you're going to have chronically elevated histamine. You need to get rid of the stressors. And he goes, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so a common theme that I know of yours uh, and that I'm hearing in the uh, chat we're having today is that this is not like putting people on regimes for long-term medication uh, alternatives. You really encourage people to listen in, tune in, adjust, remove, um, and something you talk about, which is pulsing. So even the ones you know you personally need permanently for your um, mix and your bio-individuality, you still take a day off. Why is that? Our, our genes are influenced by the environment. And if you're taking a, you know, a lot of us are taking big amounts of zinc right now, right? Because COVID thing. And so a lot of people are taking big amounts of zinc and vitamin C and all these things. And, and anything that you put in your mouth or even think about putting in your mouth is having an impact on your genetic expression. But when you actually swallow it, it's having a definite effect on your genetic expression. And while you think that you're consuming, let's say, a high amount of zinc to support your immune system, well, that high amount of zinc is going to do other things that are not beneficial. And it's going to put things out of balance. It's going to turn some genes on full bore, 
which then is going to deplete them of other nutrients and they're going to need additional nutrients because you just push the gas down. You know, if you push the gas pedal down hard in your car, you're not just burning gas. You're also wearing down the engine. You're ruining some belts. You're using up the oil. You're wearing down the tires. You know, you're gathering dust on the windshield. It's not just one effect. It's multiple effects. And people just think of the one effect, zinc, immune system. No, uh-uh, no. So pulsing is really important because you can put the gas down to go, but then there's a stoplight coming up ahead or a stop sign. You gotta let off. And you're gonna start learning through life and it takes years of work. This is not something that you're gonna sit down, read dirty genes and understand everything in, in, in a read. No, it's not. This is a guide, it's a tool that will help you your whole life and it will take time. So for example, you have a glass of red wine, you get flushed. You, okay, you just listen to this, you take a capsule of histamine block. The next time you have your glass of your wine, you feel great. Okay, that's something learned. All right, so I took histamine block, it's a DAO enzyme. I just processed the histamine. I was able to handle it. And now you're not drinking the red wine, but now you kind of have that same sensation. What happened? Oh, I just had some, uh, I had a mandarin. Huh, okay, now the mandarin's having that same effect. I wonder if I take his, yep, handle that. Now, let's say it starts getting worse and you get bit by a bug and you get this big rash. Oh, Dr. Lin said if I have a big mosquito bite, that could be histamine. So maybe I'm just generally high histamine. So I'm gonna do a gut test and I'm gonna see how my gut is. Gut comes back totally fine. And then you say, oh, he mentioned something about the probiotic. And he looks at, you look at your probiotic and it's like lactobacillus fermentum, five billion. Lactobacillus, you know, bulgaricus, you know, five billion. You're like, oh my God, I'm actually making histamine in my gut. You stop that probiotic, way better. You drink a glass of red wine and you're fine. You know, you, you were taking a supplement and it was actually causing the problem. So you took another supplement to neutralize that problem. But when you start sleuthing, like we just did, you can really figure out what's going on. And you do that for everything in your body and, and, and every action you take throughout your day. You don't just blindly drink water. You think, how am I feeling right now? You drink water and it's like, oh, I just have a really dry mouth right now. Oh, I just got water out of the tap. I didn't filter it. That's the chlorine. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so you mentioned probiotics. So I might uh, finish with a question around probiotics because there is a lot of uh, conflicting advice um, and it feels like conflicting thought leadership in the space where some people are saying ditch all probiotics, just get into the most native environments you possibly can as often as you can and feed your microbiome that way because that was, you know, our innate way. But then, you know, other thought leadership is that we are too far gone in our modern environments and we actually do need to tweak with supplementation to correct some of the issues. And then there are the people saying, but that's too many of too few types of strains. Where are we on probiotics in your eyes? And um, how do we positively incorporate them? Um, and who needs to? How do we find out? Well, the short answer is easy. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that honesty because it's true. It really is. Yeah. I mean, we still got a lot to learn. Yeah. I mean, it, the microbiome is, is so vast. I mean, it's like the ocean you know, more than the ocean. And uh, it, it, it does so much for us and so much uh, that can, it can harm us too. It can kill us. 
Um, but you know, we, we are, we are a walking ball of, of bugs. I mean, we have, uh, different bacteria in all different parts of zones on our body and it, it shifts, it moves. Um, and, uh, you know, with every meal we eat, with everything we touch, um, you know, wind comes, the soils we touch, it's, it's, it's massive how much, uh, bacteria that we have on us. I have no idea. Um, but my respect for the microbiome is, is, is huge right now. Um, and my desire to learn is, is really big as well. And I, I'm getting better, but I have a long way to go. Um, but I will say that um, I would be, first, it depends on where you live. You know, you know if you live in a city uh, and, you know, you're, your kids goes to a public school, I would not say, hey, you know, rub your face in the, in the soccer field and roll around in the dirt um, and then go eat your sandwich. Um, you know, it, that's not good advice. You know, there's, there's pesticides, herbicides, uh, cleaning solutions everywhere. Um, you know, the, the soil that we have in, around here, us, you know, all of us now, is, it's not soil. You know, when I was in Tasmania, you know, I was hiking in the, in the bush for a, a, literally a month. When I was there, I, I hiked almost nonstop. I think I was in a youth hostel maybe for five nights out of the 30. Um, it was amazing. Um, and I would drink out of streams and some of the streams I had lucked out, some of the streams I didn't. <laughs> um, so, and when I did landscaping, uh, here in the United States, uh, you know, I touched mulch all day, touched dirt all day and I would, didn't care. I, my hands would be covered in, in soil and I'd eat my food and, um, I had nematodes and, and amoebas and the doctor looked at my gut and was like, what in the hell did you do? I was like, I'm a, I did landscape and I grew up on a ranch and I didn't walk, really wash my hands. He was like, oh yeah, it looks like that. Um, so it's, you know, I, I've lived enough and I've dirtied myself enough, you know, living in India and, and, and being a landscaper and, and working with chemicals and growing up on a farm. You know, I've, I've had it all in terms of the, the vastness of the microbiome. Um, so I, I would say that it's, it's a bit of both. We need to, we need to not sterilize the crap out of everything like we're doing now with COVID. Uh, I think this is a huge disaster. Uh, I just got an email from the Marriott International uh, Hotel Chains. Oh, how yeah. How they are. You see mm. that? Mm, I got it too. Yeah. The, the, I forget what they called it, you know, the code of cleanliness or whatever it was. Um, and uh, they were proudly showing these you know, B-roll uh, snippets of their, their team spraying this chemical around and wiping handles everywhere and their team wearing gloves and masks when they open the door. I mean, it's like we're living in fear of the natural flora around us. And, and that's not the answer. The enemy is not the virus. The enemy is, is our lack of, of being able to adapt in our present environment. And this is going to make it way worse because the biofilms that are going to be created from all this killing are going to be significant. The bugs are going to get stronger and stronger and we're going to be so weak um, because our immune systems are not being uh, under duress. Um, so I, I really am scared. Um, uh, not scared, but I'm concerned uh, of what we're doing to the planet. I mean, soils are being uh, destroyed. Um, and uh, I think that's where we've got huge potential, right? Healing soil is really, yeah. uh, I'm writing a book right now that speaks to the types of farming methods that do that. And I feel yeah. like if we, that's something we can all positively come together on as people who eat food 
um, is just buying from the farmers who are giving more back to the soil than they're taking. In the right way. In the right way, of course. Um, and it's, it's when I had a, I had a medical conference where, uh, you know, doctors present on mold and, and all the usual doctor stuff, gut health and, and what have you, autism, blah, blah, blah. And I invited my old boss for landscaping and Henrika Schraven, uh, long haired, super thin, hippie, vegan, um, uh, super talented. And he was standing there in his Levi's jacket in his long stringing hair, um, just kind of bouncing around like this. The guy's super hyper uh, in his 60s, 60s and just full sun exposure, wrinkled skin. Um, and uh, people, all these doctors just keep walking by. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Why is Ben talking to this weirdo hippie? And then he got on the stage and they're like, wow, Ben has really lost it now. Um, so he starts talking and he says that, you know, all you guys have been talking about in terms of the health of your patients is great. I've learned a lot from you all. He goes, but all this comes from the soil. It all starts in the soil. You're using capsules of probiotics for your patients. It starts from the soil. And they're like, oh yeah, whatever. And then he goes, I'm going to show you this Japanese uh, presentation of how the soil is living and what's going on. And then he talks about that. He talks about how, you know, all the different aspects of soil and how he went to different farms and supported the trees and how their harvest went up and the nutrient content of food and, and what have you. And then when he was done, he said, thank you. And the entire room, if, you know, almost 400 docs stood up and standing ovation to this hippie mm-hmm. because they realized that it does start with soil. Yeah. And I was like, Phew, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> lose it. <laughs> Everyone's still your friend. It's okay, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is definitely an area where we still have so much left to learn. Um, We could talk all day, but I'm very conscious of the fact that over where you live right now, it's time to hunker down for some family time in the evening. And uh, I could go check on my son's maths. So <laughs> I thank you so much for this, uh, for this time and uh, having a little look at all of the different things that you've been working on and helping people with I, I definitely feel there's a need for a part two at some point and uh and yeah i just want to say thanks for doing the work you do it's very very helpful to a lot of people yeah my pleasure when the new strategy comes out that would be be great when we're working on international distribution on that so we're, we're just uh a little man amazing oh yeah he's just uh he's just you popped come up. Introduce yourself? <laughs> hey what do you need? Oh, you need your magician's book. Yeah. Okay. You go enjoy. <laughs> right, Thanks Alex. so much, Thank Ben. Yep. <laughs> and I'll speak to you soon. Yep. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action Uh, and uh, there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit uh, stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written over the past nine years of writing a blog. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. 
Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added and I can't wait to see where that community takes us. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus uh, Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Today